the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Indeed, it is hour number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday morning. It is the 28th morning of the eighth month in the year of our Lord 2018. You know what Tuesday morning means, right? Tuesday morning at 10.05, it means Peter Kersenow joins us to educate us and inform us, inform us and enlighten us. And as a matter of fact, he's going to do just that. The problem is, it's not really a problem, really. The issue is, uh, he's not live. Peter Kersenow joined me already this morning when I sat in for Hugh Hewitt on his nationally syndicated program. Peter was kind enough to share with the rest of the country what we already know, that he is brilliant. We talked about illegal immigration on the Hugh Hewitt program earlier today, and I want to give you the opportunity to hear that right now. Glory America, I'm Hugh Hewitt, but I am not there. I am up in the North Country. I'm in Maine. Family wedding. Enjoying it all. But Bob Francis agreed to come in. Now, Bob is from Cleveland, so he gets a lot of things right. And we're not going to hold it against him that he said, do not draft Baker Mayfield. We're not just going to hold that against him. He was a Baker, Baker hater. And we know that Baker, Baker, touchdown makers come to town. So forgive him for that and thank him for sitting in for me so I can go to the wedding. Bob France, take it away. Hugh Hewitt, you are a great American, and you are also a wonderful fiction writer. Uh, seven minutes after the hour, thank you so much for joining us. Indeed, I do come to you live from the pain-free ReliefFactorStudio.com, rather, ReliefFactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer, in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, it is Hugh's stomping ground. Yes, it is my stomping ground. No, Hugh Hewitt does not tell the truth about Baker Mayfield. And uh, joining us in just a moment, I'll let you know when I've got him, uh, is an eyewitness. I told I told Hugh Hewitt this every single day as he trolls me and tries to revise history and claim that he was on the Baker bandwagon uh, from the get-go. 
I told him, in, in true James Comey fashion, I said, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Well, guess what? I don't have tapes, but I have the next best thing. I have an eyewitness, a man, by the way, whose integrity is uh, is above reproach, beyond reproach. Peter Kersenow is a commissioner for the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and he was in the room. Peter, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the Hugh Hewitt Show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me. And you're right. I was there. We were standing there together getting our picture taken by one of the attendees to our program last April. And I remember specifically both Hugh and I were giving you all kinds of grief for going for Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. Hugh especially gave you grief on multiple occasions, so I can correct (laughs) the record uh, and support your position. Uh, so in other words, what you're saying is is that the namesake of this wonderful program, Hugh Hewitt, is a purveyor of fake news. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but uh, in this particular <laughs> instance... In, in this instance, it is fake he's news. He's giving you a hard time. He's giving you a hard time. <laughs> oh, he is, too. He's trolling me on social media every step of the way, uh, accusing me of being a Steelers fan and uh, and everything else. And there's a few things that you can call a Browns fan worse than a Steelers fan. You know that. So that's uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's there. I mean, that does, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble for something like that. That's Peter... Peter, let's dive right in. You did a you did a wonderful job. I caught your appearance on Tucker Carlson uh, last week uh, on his uh, program in the evening, and uh, and and you were we're talking about illegal immigration, and 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 you have just done yeoman's work uh, in in compiling the numbers that really correct the record. We've all talked, especially in the wake of the horrific murder of Molly Tibbetts, the young twenty year old student in Iowa, at the hands of an illegal alien, should not have been here. Has been here for as long as seven years, living on uh, fake uh, identification documents, et cetera, et cetera. Christian Rivera is his name. Uh, the left wants to completely discount the fact that if we had enforced our laws against illegal immigration, Molly Tibbetts would be alive today uh, because he would not have been here to kill her. It's just that simple. They're saying that we are demonizing a group of people, uh, illegal aliens into this country, or as they like to call them, undocumented immigrants, who are not any particular threat or harm to the country. You have got statistics that you presented on Tucker that completely uh, belie that statement and that narrative. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, I only presented a small portion of the stats because we only had limited time as we do here today. And as you indicated, you know, every American who's victimized by an illegal alien is also a victim of our government's failure or refusal to perform one of its most basic functions. Whenever you've got a high profile murder such as the Molly Tibbetts case, uh, Kate Steinley, there's always this flood or rush to get to the media by the open borders crowd. And the media very willingly, because they are um, sympathetic to the open borders crowd, will publish the same kind of facts or supposed facts over and over and over again, alleging that illegal immigrants actually commit crimes at a lower rate than Americans do, and that's flatly false. Here's a problem, though, and this is why it has some saliency, and that is at virtually no level of our government, federal, state, or local, with only a couple of exceptions, do they aggregate specific crime data related to illegal aliens. What they often do is conflate all aliens, criminal illegal aliens and criminal uh, non-illegal aliens or non-citizens, and they put those two together. And here's what we know. Um, It appears from every study I've seen, every tabulation of data, that lawful immigrants 
do commit crimes at a slightly lower rate than American citizens do. And then when you base on demographics, it can become very much lower than Americans do. That's not the same for illegal aliens. Um, you can, by extrapolating and cross-tabulating, come to a pretty good approximation of the crime rates committed by illegal aliens. Uh, I've done it at the Civil Rights Commission. Um, John Lott, the scholar, the economist, uh, economist, has done it with respect to specific data related to Arizona. And what we find is that illegal aliens not only commit more crimes, but more serious crimes at a higher rate than do um, lawful residents. And one of the things that is uh, particularly interesting is that the open borders crowd, and, and when I say that, I don't mean to be necessarily pejorative about it, but they're, I do. The, only conclu- the only conclusion you can come to by them arguing that illegal aliens commit crimes at a lower rate is somehow they're trying to justify the presence of illegal aliens in America. But it's, it's picked up immediately by major media, Washington Post, New York Times, they repeat these claims over and over again, and they become part of the media fabric and, and part of the narrative. There are some groups such as, you know, Mark McCoy and his fine group, the Center for Immigration Studies. There are a few others. There are too many to mention um, that have published some data trying to debunk these claims. Um, but the overwhelming uh, dominance of major media makes it seem as if illegal aliens commit crimes at a lower rate. Um, before I get into the data, there are a couple of things that you keep, have to keep in mind, and that is that the open borders crowd habitually steals multiple bases when they tell you about their data. Uh, the first I, I mentioned already, uh, that is, um, you know, that the illegal aliens, well, for, well first of all, they, you know, they, they conflate the two uh, groups of illegal aliens and legal aliens, right. and that that, that presses the rate. But the second thing they do is they simply forget about the unlawful entry into this country. They give them a pass with respect to that. But when you go beyond that, they don't aggregate uh, the stats with respect to things that necessarily must occur for an illegal alien to maintain presence in the United States of America. That is identity theft, social security number theft, license theft, the illegal appropriation of literally billions of dollars in public benefits to which they are not lawfully entitled, and the list goes on and on and on. So we're talking about millions of crimes. Okay, they may not be murder, rape, and robbery, but when you get to those crimes, the rates also are very high. But I I would uh, ask that your audience keep in mind that whenever you see this illegal alien data, very often they are subtracting out the crimes that I just mentioned with respect to illegal uh, theft of or the theft of um, social security numbers, identity theft, etc. The, um, uh, the numbers with respect to the more serious crimes have been aggregated by uh, not the federal government, not local governments with a couple of minor exceptions, but they're aggregated by the Government Accountability Office has done a study. The most comprehensive one was in 2011, and there you've got to cross-tabulate. And I don't want to bore your, your audience with the methodologies, but when you do this kind of analysis, and we did it, um, uh, Chris Mulder and I did an analysis where we showed that in five states alone, and they're the big states of California, Texas, Florida, and New York, and we chose Arizona also, there are presently 5,400 illegal aliens incarcerated for homicide. That's a lot. 
if they're not performing, you know, if they're not committing crimes at a higher rate than Americans, I don't know why 5,400 are presently incarcerated. And when you hear numbers like that, and I'm sure your audience who've been thinking uh, very hard about these issues, as most conservatives do, keep in mind a couple of things. One is that it is highly unlikely that we have overestimated illegal alien crime. It is highly likely that almost every analysis has understated illegal alien crime for at least two reasons. One is, as the left constantly tells us to justify sanctuary cities, is a illegal alien who is also the victim of a crime is less likely to report that crime for fear of the ramifications, such as possible deportation. Number two, illegal alien witnesses to crime similarly will not report, and they don't want to come to court to testify. So there's less probability of identification and conviction. So that depresses the illegal alien numbers artificially beyond which we would have for ordinary Americans. Did I tell you that we have Peter Kirsten on, on every Tuesday to educate and inform us? Uh, that's exactly what he did. He just did it during an earlier hour today, did it during uh, Hugh Hewitt's program. I really enjoyed the opportunity to speak with him then. And I've got part B of that conversation coming up. Those statistics that he was just quoting for you, by the way, are unbreakable. You cannot argue with those numbers. Illegal alien crime is a major, major issue in the United States. That is not a racial statement. That is not an ethnic statement. That's not about Mexicans. It's not about Hondurans or Salvadorans or anybody else. It's just about a legal versus illegal statement. And it's real. The example of Molly Tibbetts is just one sad example of that. So Peter Kersenow, really, really great information there. It's the same stuff he shared on Tucker Carlson, but in more depth. Part B of that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-five. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to give you the rest of the conversation that I had with Peter Kirsten now this morning, as I sat in for Hugh Hewitt, bringing you more of the brilliant analysis of uh, the United States Commission uh, Commissioner on Civil Rights, Peter Kirsten. So, Peter, uh, I, I would li- sit here and listen to you tell us more about the statistics about illegal immigrants and crime, uh, but but it would take up far too much of our time. So I want to ask you briefly about the statement, your opinion, Peter, about the statement made by Molly Tibbetts' father who wants, apparently with some other of her family members, wants to uh, make it very clear that they do not hold any ill will toward Hispanics for the murder of their daughter, suggesting in the way, in the course of that, Pete, that other people are trying to blame quote-unquote Hispanics. Um, and I think I speak for almost all of us who are extraordinarily critical of our lax immigration laws by saying it's not about ethnicity, it's about simple uh, enforcement of laws. I don't care what his race is. We care about the fact that he wasn't supposed to be here, and he was. And because of that, Molly Tibbetts is dead. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Bob. And what that is, <clears throat> or his reaction to that, and what the, the the left very successfully has done for years, and one of the reasons why I think President Trump confounds them and exasperates them is he doesn't stay within this mold, 
is that if you express any sentiments with respect to the enforcement of the law, the equal enforcement of the law, you are painted as a racist or a xenophobe, and that's not the case. This is about the enforcement of the law, the, the fundamental protections of the American citizen by those organs established to do precisely that. That's what this is all about, and we're not going to be cowed anymore by people saying the left claiming that we are racist or some other kind of pejorative. That is not the case. Americans and lots of Americans are suffering dramatically because of the failure of the government, particularly during the uh, era of uh, Obama, to enforce our borders and enforce our immigration laws. They just very often ignored the laws that were on the books and beyond that acted in contradistinction to those laws. So we've got billions in property crimes, billions in public service benefits that have been appropriated, and a lot of very, very um, uh, serious crimes. And, and when I say serious crimes, consider just a couple of things, a couple more data points. We're not talking about jaywalking. Uh, so for the open borders crowd, 27% of illegal aliens who are incarcerated in New York are not incarcerated for jaywalking. They're incarcerated for a homicide. And those figures are replicated in a number of jurisdictions. In some jurisdictions, 75% of all of the inmates in for drug offenses are, in, are illegal aliens. This is serious business. And we're not going to solve the problem, regardless of where you stand, if we keep acting as if this is not a serious problem and we treat, keep trying to muddy the water, waters with respect to the true impact mm-hmm. of illegal aliens. Yeah, Pete, that, that, that is such a very good point, and, and, and I'm sorry for the interruption, but um, uh, it, exactly that. The, the left continues to say, despite those stats you just gave, 27% are homicides and so on and so forth, they're yelling abolish ICE. They're, they're yelling no borders, no borders, no wall, no USA at all. They want to have uh, essentially an open borders uh, a continent, and Hillary Clinton once identified she, she envisioned an open borders hemisphere, which is really amazing. And, and they want to turn this into a racial issue when it comes to criticism of the laws for the murder of uh, of, of uh, Molly Tibbetts by Christian Rivera. And to that, I'll pivot to another racial issue. Uh, you, ta- you, you texted me about this, Pete. Stephen A. Smith uh, criticizing Tiger Woods for not criticizing Donald Trump when given the opportunity. First of all, we don't know what Tiger Woods believes. He's Cambodian Asian. He's not black. As an African-American, Pete, how do you hear things like that? Tiger Woods isn't black enough because he's not joining what blackdom is supposed to do here, which is criticize Donald Trump as a racist. Well, to assert that all people of a given race must think the same thing is itself racist. Beyond that, um, you know, I've met with uh, President Trump on a couple of occasions with respect to matters related to the black community. This man is passionate about it. He raises these issues. Nothing could be further from the truth. And there is an effort to keep us on the plantation by some not going to happen. Pete, that's a great line we'll have to close with. We're up against that hard break. Thank you, Peter Kersenow, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Bob Franson for Hugh Hewitt back after this. That was, of course, that was indeed this morning on the Hugh Hewitt program. Boy, did that time up nicely because it is because it is 1030 now in time for our break on this program. We'll get news now. Former ICE director Tom Holman joined me earlier today as well. If you missed that conversation, I think you're going to want to hear it. That'll be next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1033, almost 1034. Now we'll call it 1034 as we continue. All right. 
Uh, now I guess we're on. I, I don't know what happened there. All right. Uh, now, indeed, uh, it is 1034. Thanks so much for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak with someone for whom I have a great deal of respect this morning. I spoke with um, the former acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. You know how I feel about ICE. You know how I feel about the idiots on the left who are chanting for the abolition of ICE. You know how I feel about law enforcement in general. Well, this man is a representative of that those organi- or that organization and uh, in in law enforcement or of law enforcement in general. So I had a chance to speak with Thomas Holman after I spoke with Peter Kersenow this morning. If you did not hear that, uh, you're going to want to hear it now. If you already heard, heard it, it was good. You probably should hear it again. And I'll give that to you here in just one second here. We've got to make sure that all of the uh, rats are running in the same direction. Here we go. Thanks again to Peter Kersenow from the uh, U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. The statistics he presents are simply unbreakable uh, when it comes to matters of illegal immigrant crime in the United States. Um, it is it is an epidemic. It is a major problem, and the Molly Tibbetts murder is just an example of it. It is not the only. It is just the latest. And joining us now to discuss this further is the former acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, a man I've watched in many interviews uh, on Fox News and beyond, Thomas Holman, joining us now on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Uh, director Holman, thank you for the time i appreciate it it's bob franson for you how are you sir doing fine thanks you thanks for having me it is a pleasure to have you and it's a pleasure to to watch and listen to you tell the truth about um about your organization about the organization you led and about uh, the importance of this federal law enforcement agency when it comes to stopping uh illegal immigrants from committing these crimes um how do you respond director holman when you hear uh, people critical of those of us who are critical of the fact that our illegal immigration laws, our lax enforcement thereof, directly led to the murder of Molly Tibbetts. They they call us racist. They say that we are trying to paint uh, a, a race of people, meaning uh, Hispanics, um, with a broad brush saying that they are the criminals because of Christian Rivera killing Molly Tibbetts. How do you react to those things? Well, you know, they're making a racial issue, but it's not a racial issue. It's, it's an issue of legal versus illegal. You know, I've been asked that many times. First of all, let me let me talk about ICE. ICE is almost half of our officers are of Hispanic descent, and, and these officers are true American heroes, and, and they take it personally when people say we're racist, and we're, we're Nazis, when in fact we remove hundreds of Nazis in the last you know decade, war criminals and criminals for human rights violations all over the world. But the fact of, of the whole Molly Tibbet story, you know, the, the fact is if that young lady wouldn't be that today if if that person wasn't here in the United States illegally. That's just a fact. And, you know, I, I've, in the last couple of days, I've gotten a lot of emails from a lot of angel moms, a lot of angel dads. These are people that myself and President Trump met with numerous times in the past year, year and a half. And I got an email yesterday from an angel mom saying, please don't give up. Please keep uh, telling the story. We finally got a voice under this president that we never had. Please don't fall to the pressure. Please keep telling American people our story the victims of illegal immigration of the worst kind. So every time I get one of those emails, it just reinforces my belief that American people need, need to hear the truth about illegal immigration and what a threat it is to this country. I completely agree with that. And and, and, and I'm going to be speaking. Are you going to be in Washington, D.C. next week with the with FAIR, uh, uh, Director yeah. Holman? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because I'll be broadcasting my program there from uh, on uh, from D.C. on uh, uh, Wednesday and Thursday next week. FAIR is the Federation for American Immigration Reform, as you know, and there are a lot of angel moms and dads who are going to be there, and I'm going to be speaking with many of them, telling their tales and about the loss of their loved ones because of our lax enforcement of our immigration laws. 
to that end, let's go back to ICE, as you just mentioned. When when we listen to you know Antifa and and the other uh, you know far left organizations chanting things like "No ICE, No Wall, No USA at all," do they have any idea what kind of of a country they're? Well, essentially, they'd be surrendering our country. But what kind of a of a society and civilization they would be inviting if we did indeed erase our borders? The bottom line is that's exactly what they want. They want open borders. I'm finally I'm glad that curtain's drawn back on this whole effort now. Look, abolishing ICE equals open borders, and President Trump got attacked for saying that. But bottom line is, President Trump is 100 percent right on this issue. If you're if you're lucky enough to get by the border patrol, you're home free because no one's going to be looking for you. If you overstay a visa, you're home free because no one's going to be looking for you. Abolishing ICE is equal open borders, but that's what some of these folks want. And you know, Antifa and, and the protesters they showed up my house and protest out front of my home even after I retired, and I don't know they wasted their time because they're not going to shut me up. I mean, I've been doing this for 34 years. You know, I, I may not be the smartest guy on the planet, but I know illegal immigration. I know illegal immigration is going to hurt this country. If there's a need for foreign workers in this country, then Congress needs to step up and change the law and make, it, make a legal process where people come in and work. But you cannot just keep sitting back, turning a blind eye to illegal immigration. Congress cannot keep looking at ICE and say, well, we ready just ignore the law to enforce the law or us change the law. So I, I, I think what this whole movement, with Ocasio-Cortez in New York and, you know, the Attorney General of New York threatened to prosecute us, the Governor of New York and you know, uh, politicians in California, I think they lost it. I think they finally pulled that curtain back, and the American people now understand what they want. They want open borders, and it's going to hurt them. It's, it's going to hurt them in the long run because most Americans believe we're a sovereign country. Most Americans want, to, want our citizens protected. That's the number one job this president, and he's doing a great job at it. You know, that's that's a great point. We're talking with former acting director of ICE, Thomas Holman, uh, this morning on the Hugh Hugh Show. Bob France sitting in. Uh, we'll talk about the, the midterms in a moment. You said it's going to hurt them, and, and I hope it does at the ballot box in November. But but let me let me talk to you about the wall or ask you about the wall. Um, some would say that the wall, while it might look not, not in appearances, but I mean, it might look the, it give us a, uh, the visage of, hey, we're trying to protect the country here. But they would say that the vast majority of the illegal immigrants in this country right now are not border jumpers. They are visa overstays rather than border jumpers. Do you believe that to be true? And how, how much would a wall um, do as far as uh, protecting the American citizens from this, this ongoing invasion from the southern border? First of all, the, the wall has proven itself. The wall of barrier has proven itself. Every place they have built a barrier, a wall, it has worked. Now, it hasn't stopped 100% illegal uh, traffic in that area, but it decreases significantly. When I was a border patrol agent in San Diego sector, we used to arrest thousands of chefs down in the soccer fields, down in Tijuana. As soon as they put the barrier up, those numbers went, went down dramatically. Every place they built it, whether it's El Paso, whether it's Tucson, sector, wherever they built that wall of barrier, it has worked. It has proven it's worked 100% of the time. So I, I guess my, my, my point is, why would you not want a wall if it's proved it's worked? Why not, even if it stops 60 70% of the traffic, why would you not want a wall? Why would you not want to do everything you can to protect this country? I mean, what's, what's the price you put on national security and public safety? It has proven effective in every place it is. Now, as far as overstays, that is a big issue. And that's why ICE is uh, making that a priority for the overstays. But here's what we need. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a job for Congress. Congress needs to make staying overstaying a visa a crime. Right now, it's just an administrative violation. If you overstay a visa, it should be a crime, just like enter the country illegally is a crime. So you certainly use that help. But with the, with the hundreds of thousands of visa overstays every year, there's only so many officers we've got to prioritize. So we look for those that, number one, committed a crime in addition to that. Number two, maybe from an uh, area of the world we want to 
pays uh, particular attention to, but it is an issue. Overstaying the visa is an issue, and that's why uh, this president has focused on who gets visa and who doesn't get a visa. I think that's what helped the situation. But I still say number one need for controlling this is making overstaying the visa a crime. Uh, we're talking to former ICE director uh, Thomas Holman this morning on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Bob Brand sitting in. Um, wh- how do you how do you respond, uh, Director Holman, to these sanctuary cities who continue to refuse to cooperate with federal authorities? And, and we're seeing more and more disastrous results of this. We're seeing people being released, and then we're seeing them go out going out there and committing some of the violent crimes that you're talking about. Uh, and, and and there's nothing you can do about it because federal law. We found out that uh, we can't. Uh, federal law prohibits the Department of Justice from uh, uh, withholding funds to these sanctuary cities on the basis of uh, their their non-cooperation with federal authorities how do we win that well first of all i think we need to elevate that case i think i think eventually you should go to the supreme court look there, there's a lot of there's a lot of court decisions saying that the ice detainer is not constitutionally viable but there's also other court decisions like the first fifth the, the latest decision we had for the fifth circuit was there were constitution, uh, constitutionally viable, and people can uh, take the detainer and use them. So I, while they fight that out in courts, what we need to keep mentioning to the American people is sanctuary cities does not do what it promises to do. Sanctuary cities say, number one, what, what they want to do is protect the immigrant community. Sanctuary cities does quite the opposite. When they release a criminal threat back into the community, that that, that criminal threat is going to go back and victimize the very community which he lives in, the immigrant community. So it doesn't protect the immigrant community. By releasing criminals, it puts the immigrant community at greater risk of crime. Also, if my office, ICE officers cannot make an arrest in a safety, security, and privacy county jail, they're going to have to go to a neighborhood or a place of business to find that person because their job is going to arrest them, and they're going to do it. So when they have to be forced into the neighborhood, be forced to work site, uh, at a work site to arrest this person, what's going to happen? Well, basically, they're going to find others, and others that weren't even on the radar, and they're going to be arrested. So, so sanctuary cities put, put immigrant community at greater risk of crime. They put them at greater risk of ICE arrest. It puts our officers at grave risk of knocking on the door or on their turf. Who knows if they have access to what weapons. And finally, sanctuary cities is an enticement for more people to come to this country and hide out in sanctuary cities because they're thinking to protect it. So more people are going to die entering this country. And we're bankrolling criminal organizations that smuggle people to this country, the same organization that have murdered agents, and, and murder people in this country that have smuggled drugs, smuggled guns. So there's absolutely no positive uh, factor on, on sanctuary cities. And once people hear that, and that is a fa- those are the facts. I just gave the four facts of sanctuary cities, what they actually do. Then I would think that the citizens of the sanctuary city would push back on their local politicians, say, protect our communities, do your job. Your number one job is protect the communities, and you're not doing that. Director Holman, do you think the American people get this when it comes to this November's elections? And I know you're not a politician, but this November we're going to decide, as President Trump said, and I think you articulated it well, that you know if you vote for Democrats in November, you're voting for open borders, you're voting for sanctuary cities, you're voting for you know this this Philadelphia, just the the latest example, this illegal alien from Honduras uh, who who raped a child after Philadelphia authorities remember the mayor dancing about we're a sanctuary city, they ignored the ICE detainer, released him, he goes out and rapes a child. Uh, do you think the American people see this, that they're getting that message and that they will reject that type of mentality and vote for the rule of law and vote Republican in November? I hope to God they do. I mean, we're out there, you know, I'm out there talking as much as I can about this issue, the age of moms and dads, you know, of shows like yours. We're out there trying, you know, trying to tell the American people the truth because a lot of the media don't want to report it. A lot of the media will, you know, they remain silent on the issue. I think the American people are, are, are smart people. I think, they, number one, they want to feel safe in the country. 
And I think this president is keeping his number one promise to protect this country, for, protect the sovereignty of this country, and protect United States citizens. He's doing it. I hope they recognize it. I hope they react that way in November. The former ICE Director Thomas Holman. Uh, Director Holman, thank you for the great work you did while you were active for those 34 years, and thanks for being a great voice for law and order in the United States in retirement. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, that again was uh, a replay. Somebody just asked me on Facebook during a Facebook message, uh, hey, uh, is the station on repeat or something? No, no, no. If you listened this morning on Hugh Hewitt to Director Holman and you were still listening now, yes, you heard it twice. Apologies to you if you felt redundant. I wanted this to reach a different audience because Director Holman is a great interview. He's a great man. He had a lot of important things to say. He said them to Hugh Hewitt's audience this morning as I sat in. I wanted this 10 o'clock audience to hear it as well. So uh, that's what you heard. If you heard it twice, my apologies to you. But for those who heard it the first time, I hope you got a lot out of it. All right. Uh, one segment to go. Uh, it will be yours. If you would like to join us, 216-901-0945. Dial right now on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment of the morning. Final segment of five hours of uh, mini Bob France uh, radio or um, a marathon, rather, uh, sitting in for Hugh, Hugh Hewitt this morning. Uh, and then, of course, the regular Bob France authority back in uh, for Hugh again tomorrow as well. Very much looking forward to uh, to doing that. It's got a, he's got a great audience, as do I. Very intelligent one filled with a lot of very intelligent guests as well. I want to hit you with this again because I was only able to talk about it briefly in the first hour. Uh, the, the ridiculous liberals over what used to be over at what used to be a sports network called ESPN, which has now become MSESPN, ranting and raving about Tiger Woods because Tiger Woods refused shock of all shocks. He refused to condemn President Trump when given an opportunity, in fact, being begged to by a New York Times reporter after his golf tournament on Sunday. Uh, the reporter asked him about his relationship with the president because he has obviously played golf with him for a long time. And he said, I've been friends with him for more than 20 years. And the reporter said, yeah, well, uh, don't you have anything to say about him? And he said, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Oh, I know what he said. He said this. He's the president of the United States, and you have to respect the, the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, uh, you may like, dislike um, the personality or the, the politics, uh, but we all must respect the office. Do you have anything more broadly to say about the state, I guess the discourse of race relations? Um, no, I just finished 72 holes and really hungry. So the reporter wasn't going to take that for an answer. He said, you know, don't you have anything to say about the president and race relations? And, and Tiger Woods, being the intelligent man that he is, knew exactly what kind of trap was being set for him and what they wanted to hear, and he didn't give it to him. He said, no, I just played 72 holds of golf. I'm tired, or I'm, I'm hungry. And he walked away. And that is exactly what he should have done. Congratulations to Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, not wanting to be one of the dividers, wanted to say, I'm allowed to have friends. And I've been a friend of Donald Trump's for a lot longer than he's been president. And I've known him for a lot longer than he's been a, a politician. And so anybody wants to talk about racial things, I'm a minority. And guess what? He and I are very good friends. That's essentially 
what Tiger Woods said. That wasn't enough for the folks on ESPN. Uh, on their uh, morning program called First Take, a couple of liberals, one named Max Kellerman, one called uh, Stephen A. Smith, decided to um, debate. Although it's a debate show, they didn't debate. They completely agreed on what Tiger Woods said. The first voice you'll hear belongs to Matt Kellerman. The second voice, who's going to tell you that Tiger Woods can't really speak about uh, Donald Trump as a racist because he's not really black. That, that voice will belong to Stephen A. Smith. Listen. The president, if anything, is held to a higher standard of behavior. It is not such that we have such great respect for the office that no matter what the behavior of its occupant, we must therefore respect its occupant because of the office. No, Tiger Woods is being, is, you said being slick. Here he's being slick. We must respect the office. Therefore, that confers respect to the occupant. Tiger, is that what you're saying? If that's what you're saying, that is a stupid comment. I don't, be, but I, I don't even know if he believes that that's what he's well, saying. First of all, we don't know what Tiger Woods believes. He's Campbellian Asian. He's not black. When he got arrested, he was black. He was listed as black on the report. So let's understand that Tiger Woods, that's the issue that the African American community has always had because obviously from an historical perspective, you know, if one third of you, you has a darker hue, a darker pigmentation, you know, the bottom line is you are black and it is that simple. And you, you get it, and even one third. I'm just throwing one that eighth. out there. Like, that? That one eighth, exactly. So what I'm saying to you is that Clearly, you are perceived as being a black man. And even though you didn't want to dis- disassociate yourself from your mother's ethnicity, who was Thai, who was Thai, I believe, the bottom line is, is that that's the reason why he took that position. But black Americans haven't respected that for Tiger for quite some time. They- so in other words, black Americans like Stephen A. Smith don't respect Tiger Woods for, for being black. They don't respect it. They don't acknowledge him as, a, as black because he didn't slam Donald Trump, which is what black folks are supposed to do. Is there anything more racist than that general stereotype? You're black, therefore you must think X. You're black, therefore you must believe Y. I kind of thought that what Dr. Martin Luther King was envisioning, nay, dreaming, was when people were evaluated on what they felt themselves and how they carried themselves content of character as opposed to color of skin why can't tiger woods who has brown skin be allowed to have his own opinion of something or someone rather than being forced to think like other people with brown skin do and if he doesn't to be declared not black the irony of that of course is when tiger woods was rolling along, winning one major after another after another, and was chasing down Jack Nicholas to be the greatest, most accomplished golfer of all time. He was claimed by the black community. That's that's my that's our that's our man. That's Tiger Tiger Woods, a black man, is the greatest golfer of all time. But now that he won't condemn Donald Trump, it's he's not black. He's Cablin Asian. Where have you heard this story before? You know where you've heard this story before. Who else has only one black parent but was perceived to be black when he accomplished great things? Barack Obama. He has one black parent. Do you ever hear Stephen, F. St- Stephen A. Smith say he's not black? He's part white. No. He says he's a black president. Speaks for my people, for our people. Barack Obama was pure black as far as the black community is concerned. Tiger Woods is pure black when he's winning championships 
and doing great things, but when he's refusing to join the chorus of racial discord and the racial divide in this country by condemning Donald Trump as a racist, saying he isn't helping people of, of, uh, of, uh, of color. When he doesn't do that, suddenly he's not black. He's Cavalin Asian. The only time he's black now, they claim, is when he gets arrested. Really? Who called him black when he was arrested? Tiger Woods, in my view, and I've been covering sports for over 20 years, Tiger Woods is about the furthest thing from a racial demographic or stereotype that there is in celebrity life. Seriously. He is about the most non-racial person that there is. He's never been judged by his black father. He's never been judged by his Thai mother or any of the other little pieces of ethnicity that he shares. He's just a multiracial dude that everybody loves watching golf. Everybody was sad about when his personal life spiraled out of control with all the affairs and the divorce and the DUIs and things of that nature. Tiger Woods is not a racial person. But don't tell that to the liberals at MSNBC. He didn't condemn Trump, therefore he's not black enough. That, my friends, is racial division. And it's the liberals at ESPN who have criticized Donald Trump for racially dividing the country by condemning the kneelers at the national anthem. The hypocrites at the ESPN at ESPN are the most racially divisive individuals I think going. That's all the time that I've got. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. Stay where you are. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.